Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Daphne. And I'm Ilaria. And Daphne is on maternity leave. How are you feeling? Woohoo! Hot and out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> pretty, but excited. Pretty much it. Excited. I'm sure that all of you guys can relate to that, especially if you have summer babies. It's mm. wonderful in so many ways. Like you don't have to bundle them up once they're born. But True. And you can go for walks outside. It's no joke doing that final month in this crazy, crazy, crazy heat. So we're all thinking about you and drink lots of water. Um, so, so I went off on my own and recorded some episodes and I missed my partner in crime, but we are looping her in here. Okay. So Alari, today you chatted with Sarah Thomas from Kalamata's Kitchen. Um, who is she and what's, what are you talking about? Sarah Thomas, who I ran into in LA, but we're both New York based, is the chief imaginator and story chef at Kalamata's Kitchen. Kalamata's Kitchen is a series of books. Um, and then w- that teach kids to be more adventurous with eating and trying different foods and not being so afraid. Um, and it's a really cool idea. They have events. Um, the kids are called their little taste buds and it's so cute. And they uh, will take a pledge where uh, where they will agree to try every single food two times. Now, whether you can make it to an event or not make it to an event, obviously that is very difficult depending on where you live. She gives us really great tips. Um, so if you have a picky eater, and even if you don't have a picky eater and you just want to improve uh, the palate of your child and introduce new foods to them and stuff like that, that, she has some really great ideas. So I think you're going to love this one. Yeah, I'm pumped. I mean, look, my kids have gone, I feel like they've run the gamut. They When when Philo was two, she would eat everything, literally everything. I could lentil soup, mashed sweet potatoes, uh, you know, any kind of protein. She was such a great eater. And then all of a sudden at her like three, three and a half, she decided she did not like fruit. She will never eat fruit again. Fruit tastes funky to her. And at some point you do have to realize that kids are themselves and they, you know, they have to be allowed to develop their own taste. They have to be allowed to assert themselves in certain ways. But at the same time, as a concerned parent and someone who knows the value of healthy eating for every part of growth and development, you want to make sure they're getting a balance. And so I'm always game to hear people's tricks and tips and great recipes that kids love. And I can't wait to listen to this conversation. Enjoy this conversation with Sarah Thomas. We're going to ask you to introduce yourself. Oh, sure. I am Sarah Thomas. I am the co-founder of Kalamata's Kitchen and the author of our book series. And I'm also a sommelier at La Bernadette. And I'm really excited to be here. So I have a very uh, interesting story, guys. So there's this juice bar. When we go stay in L.A., uh, usually working, always working. Um, we always stay at the Beverly Wilshire, um, which is really nice. It's in Beverly Hills. And it for New Yorkers, it's great because it's a very walkable part and you can find your Starbucks and you can find your Rite Aid and you can find your gym. And so it, and the kids have their playground nearby. And for Alec and I, are, who are working a lot, it makes 
their everybody's life easier that the kids don't have to get in a car all the time to go anywhere, everywhere. So there's this juice bar around the corner from our, the hotel called Creation with a K. And it's delicious and it's amazing. And we get so excited to go there. Um, and, you know, every single day, as you guys have probably heard in the past, I make my children drink a smoothie because I can blend all the things that I want them to eat and won't eat into the smoothie. You guys might also know that I have a very picky, picky eater. So I have four children. And I, but the second one, um, my first son, is a very picky eater to the point where it can bring tears, 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 tears. Um, and it's nothing that is very concerning. In terms, I mean, he just had his four-year-old checkup yesterday because he just turned four two days ago. And he, you know, I brought him in and he hasn't changed weight in the past three months, but the doctor says he's extremely healthy and the things that he, he won't eat that many things, but the things that he does eat are like, she's like, you have nothing to worry about. I'm complaining that he's like just eating oatmeal and tofu and greens juice. And she's like, you're fine. You're fine. (laughs) At least he's getting all the important things. Like she'll have people come in and they are only eating, you know, grilled cheese and macaroni and cheese and pizza and stuff like that. Interestingly, he won't touch any of those things. Like I'll like tempt him with things that aren't good for you. I'm like, maybe he'll try this just because I want him to try something different. And he's like, no, I am not going to touch that. Um, So literally the night before I met Sarah, I am, you know, frustrated about something. And in my head, I'm like, please, Please, somebody needs to teach me. Come into my life. I literally think I conjured you up. I feel like you didn't exist the day before I met you. And I was just like begging for some sort of solution. So fast forward to I am in that juice bar with I believe two of my children were there. And I am getting them a smoothie. And and Sarah comes up to me and she said, can I give my your children a book? And I, I looked at my children and I said, do you guys want a book? And of course they said yes, because why? Who? what child would not want a book? Um, and she handed uh, our my daughter a book of Kalamata's Kitchen, which is your book. And then she explained to me that you work with children who are should try new foods and maybe picky eaters and sort of encouraging children to branch out and try different things. And I immediately like heard angels singing from above and like the clouds parted. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I should ask for more things in life because look who just showed up less than 24 hours after I made this prayer to, you know, whoever is above. Um, And so we then, you know, then you had more than one book. You gave me your, your card. You told me a little bit about what you did, but I just had this like great energy from me. And I was like, oh my God, this woman is fabulous. And we go across the street and we have breakfast. And during breakfast to entertain them, we read the Kalamata's Kitchen books to them. So that's what happened right after, right after we met. Um, and then I looked online and I realized I'm going to let you say, because you're going to say it better than, than I do. Um, but I found out that you have these events and you do different things for kids who are picky eaters and you're in New York. So it was like all of these like amazing (laughs) coincidences come together. We met in Beverly Hills, yet we are both returning to New York. And so now please tell me what you do. I will say, I'll start off by saying it was extremely certain. It was weird. It was a weird moment. <laughs> it, was, it was a lovely moment, though. It's yeah. just, it felt right. A lot of what we've done so far has felt really just serendipitous and really good and really natural. And I think that that's because Kalamata's Kitchen is a brand that uh, seeks to introduce children to the world and through diverse cultures, through adventures with food. Um, food is what unites everybody. Everybody eats. We all have a story to tell about it, and we all have uh, strong emotions about it. Um, 
Um, some people really dislike it sometimes. Some people really love it. And at the end of the day, there's building blocks um, through food that can help people learn a lot of lessons. And so, yes, we do try to um, teach kids through a character called Kalamata. She experiences the world um, on these adventures with her sidekick, an alligator uh, pal named Al Dente, um, who gets into a lot of mischief. They were very into Al Dente. Al Dente. Although they all had ideas of like what kind of animal it was. And someone, one said an alligator and the other one was like, no, it's a dinosaur. It's fine. So you know, Al can be many. Al wears, <laughs> literally wears many hats. And our illustrator has drawn him in many hats. Um, but at the end of the day, like we we sort of looked out at the the food world and thought there's all these ways for parents to like trick their kids into eating something or try to you know fool them into trying this and all these like different methods but there was nothing that seemed to really speak from the child's perspective um, and so my business partner Derek Wallace actually had the idea to create this character and a brand around this character um, to get children to organically love experiencing the world through food because Kalamata loves experiencing the, the world through food. And he did that out of a genuine need. He's he's the he's a father um, and he wanted to find a way to connect with his son um, through the things that he loves to do. Derek loves to eat. Derek loves to travel. That's actually why we became friends. Um, and he, when he came to me with the idea for it, I was like, Yes, I love this. I grew up in a household where all we did was like everything we did was centered around food. Um, and I, I saw an opportunity to share a lot of what made my own childhood really magical with other people and maybe achieve something along the way. Now, you are a sommelier. Yes. Which is a wine professional. Yes. And at a very fancy restaurant in New York. <laughs> yes. What brought you from wine to wanting to teach little kids to try more foods? Well, you know, it's funny. It's not what I do at the restaurant is not so different from what I'm trying to do for kids. Essentially, I, I of course, I deal with wine at the restaurant, um, but essentially I'm just trying to curate experiences for people. I try to guide people based on what they know and what they like into the best possible experience that they can have at the restaurant. And oftentimes it's funny. People always talk about picky eaters as children, but adults are way more stuck in their ways about yeah. what they like and don't like to eat. And um, a lot of my favorite guests are people who are like, OK, this is what I like. I may be willing to venture out to try something different. And, you know, I I get to be the one to sort of hold their hands and like in, introduce them to something new. And 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 that's the fun thing to do. It's a fun thing to do with adults. It's a really fun thing to do with kids. And it's also really necessary. Um, and so it was a pretty natural transition. I'm I'm not a parent myself, but I was a kid who got to experience the world through food. And I I that joy that I felt when I was a kid and all my very strong memories, um, they have translated through my life to, to an extreme point. Right. Like I made it my career to taste and smell. Um, and again, I just I feel like there was a very natural fit when Jake brought this idea to me to to be able to sort of expand it. Um, and every parent I know has this like arsenal of tools that they have to use to get their kids to eat at all, let alone eat healthy. Right. Um, and this is just a way to this is just another tool, right? Like it's it's something based on, you know, I was, I guess, a success story of like a kid who would eat anything. Um, it's just another it's just a tool offered from that perspective for care, parents to maybe try and, and use with their own children. Well, it is, I mean, extremely stressful to have a child that just 
won't try things and will cry and scream about it. I mean, I feel like most people out there, I'm, I'm somebody who had an eating disorder from when I was about five until I was 25. I was anorexic, bulimic, going through different, you know, waves of it during, during those, those 20 years. Um, and I got to a place of being able to, I believe, cure it. I mean, I eat what, you know, I mean, I'm eat very smart. I want to eat things that are going to make my body strong. But I'm also at this amazing place in my life where I can try other things that I would never have tried because I've been afraid before. And you really get to enjoy it and enjoy it in a way where I'm not going to feel terrible the next day because it really wasn't very good for me. But just be able to, you know, try a little bit and, and savor that experience and have food be fun. But I feel like, I mean, I share that because um, I feel like most people have some issue with food. And I think a lot of that, you know, raising for children and obviously my children are very little but we're like really in it right now but raising them till the age of five is just my oldest one um is there's so many challenges around the dinner table what to eat how much eat? are you going to sit down are you the kind of family that says clean your plate are you the kind of family that it doesn't want to say that and then your child wakes up in the middle of the night and is hungry i mean there's just it's so complicated to feed a child. And we obsess about it and obsess about it and obsess about it because we want them to be okay. But during that process, due to our own stresses, we can sometimes make it worse. You know, and we can we can behave in ways as parents, uh, you know, behave in ways that is too aggressive or not guiding enough. You know, I have people always say, oh, he'll grow out of it. He'll grow out of it. And you know, he might. But I have a handful of adult friends who are so, as you say, stuck in their ways and will eat like seven things. And it really is a disservice to them because it's very unhealthy. You know, just to eat pizza and macaroni and cheese is not a way to have your body exist in the world. And you're missing out on so much fun. As you say, food is fun. So I'm trying hopefully successfully one day, right now I'm not so sure, to guide Raphael into this path of, you know, encouraging him without being too forceful to eat different things, making sure that he eats enough when he is the kind of child of like, if I don't see food I like, I just won't eat. I literally will just not eat. And then, um, you know, making sure that he's getting the right nutrients that he needs. Again, we've been lucky enough um, that he is eating all of the important food groups. Um, And, you know, he's totally fine in terms of the weight spectrum and stuff like that. But I just, you know, I want to see him really enjoy it and have fun. And he does enjoy food that he will choose. Um, So what are different tools that we can, that we can use with our picky eaters? Well, I mean, you brought up just so many interesting things about your child. And I think that's probably obviously very relatable to a lot of people who have um, children that are picky eaters. And I think that one thing that we have found um, through our tasting events, um, through just, you know, feedback from parents that have interacted with the brand is that the idea is that children have to, as you said, when he chooses his own food, he will eat it. Children have to feel some sort of agency over the decisions that they make. Um, And that's why we wanted to translate the lessons as they were through stories, Um, because kids can smell a lesson lesson Mm -hmm. coming from a mile away. And it's just like, no, thank you. I'm done with this. But when it's organically translated through a, a story that they like, through a character that they like, oftentimes they just 
espouse the, les the lesson themselves. And um, one example I, I give about the stories doing that and why the stories are an interesting tool for parents is in our first book, um, Kamara makes a, a merengada cake, right? And so pound cake with meringue frosting on it. And there's all these funny illustrations of Al wearing a fluffy frosting hat. And and I, when I wrote it and we put it out there, I was like, well, you know, I don't know. This isn't exactly healthy eating, but it's fun. Um, and I was like, oh, kids are just going to want to eat meringue frosting, I guess. That's kind of fun. And the one part of that book that every kid who sees it loves the most is the illustration of Kalamata eating a guava. Because the chef says when they were kids, they always had fruit with their dessert. And I didn't, I had no idea that that was going to be the thing that people really mm -hmm. caught on to. But it has been. And so many people have told us, like, I'm an adult and I've never had a guava in my life. And now I have to, like, go to the grocery store and go find a guava <laughs> I must for know my what kid. That is. I have to know. <laughs> my kid has to know. That's so funny. And then it became this, like, it becomes this sort of fun scavenger hunt when you're in the grocery store because if Kalamata would try a guava, what's another fun fruit that she might try? Um, and so, you know, but that all comes from the kid. They right. feel a sense of adventure because they're inspired by something that this character that they love did. Um, and, and, and that's really, I mean, the sense of, of power is extremely important in all different aspects of, you know, child rearing, but very much so when it is, you know, has to do with the what you put in your body. And I think that's one of the reasons that for me, I developed an eating disorder so young is like, okay, this is something I can control. What I put in my body, what I don't put in my body. And it, it ends up being more about the fight than, than about anything else. We had Jill Castle, a nutritionist on our podcast, and we spoke about um, different things that we can do around the dinner table. And I have started doing some of those and it really has helped. So one of the things is serve family style. Mm -hmm. Don't plate the food and they can plate the Speak food. And obviously you're yeah. watching when they're very little to make sure that they're actually eating because, you know, we do have to do some parenting. Behind, but like, oh, sure, you can do it. Um, and that helps a lot. Number one, the kids feel like it's fancy. It's like, oh my God, it's a party every single night. I don't know why they think it's a party, but there's all these like different options. Another thing is they say that she said that kids have to try foods sometimes 50 times in order to like it and cook it in many different ways. You know, if it's, she, yes. she talked a lot about broccoli because she says people obsess about broccoli for some reason, but she's like, make broccoli soup, make uh, roasted broccoli, make, you know, raw broccoli, make this broccoli, that broccoli. And again, and again, and again, start having them try it. Um, and I feel like that, you know, our, our thing now, this is what I also want to get into. So my thing is he has to lick it. Like if you won't eat it, you just have to lick it, but you say you have to try it twice. Yes. Um, so away, is it called the Kalamata pledge? Is yeah, it? we have our taste bud pledge, oh, taste um, bud pledge, which our taste buds are all of our, everybody who's involved in our community. We call our taste buds. Um, so cute. Yeah, and kids love it. And we give um, little membership cards uh, to kids who take the pledge. And, and that's another tool, I suppose, is this pledge itself, um, which is I promise to keep my mind open and my fork ready to try each new food at least two times and share what's on my plate when someone doesn't have enough. Um, kids... We ask them to like sign their name to it and, and they get to carry around their membership card that says this. Uh, and we found also that kids just really like the sense of community, right? Like they they feel like if they've said this pledge, they're part of Kalamata's team. Um, and a lot I've I've witnessed kids really taking it to heart, which is so like I tear up all the time at our events um, because I'll have parents come up to me and be like, my kid only eats beige food. And then I'll be like, oh, which one's your kid? And 
you know, we turn around and the kid's chugging beet juice in the corner. And it's it's because it's a couple things, right? They've taken the pledge. They've committed to doing this thing that their friend Kalamata does. We give them a stamp every time they uh, they try a food, try it twice. Um, we tell them, you don't have to like it. It's okay if you don't like it. The important thing is the experience of trying it. And a lot of times, you're you're what she said was right. Like it might take a kid 50 times to do it, to like something, but that's okay too. Like it's, it's all right. As long as they have the idea of the experience of trying it, it's more important than the food itself in a, in a lot of ways, because maybe they don't like that specific thing, but this idea of trying things, trying things twice is somewhere in their heads now. Um, and it becomes a fun thing to do. And with the stamp, with Kalamata's um, pledge, with their cards, it becomes an affirmative thing to do as well. Um, so that's another really great tool that we have is just making kids feel like affirmed whenever they do make these these decisions for themselves, whether they actually eat the food or not. So talk me through an event. Sure. Um, I love our events. They're they're really fun. We've done them in a couple different formats, um, but generally we all but always we have a passport, a food adventure passport uh, and a VIP badge that we hand out to all the kids. So as soon as they walk in the door. Kids know that this is all about them. This event is for them. They are the stars of the show. Um, then we have food stations set up all around whatever venue we're in. Um, and sometimes they're manned by the chefs who made the food. Sometimes we're in a market and, you know, they, they're buying, they're tasting directly from vendors. But everybody has one Kalamata approved bite that they hand out. And those bites are listed in the passports. Um, and as kids walk around. That's very smart because sometimes I'll be like, hey, Rafa, take a bite. And he'll like like take like a little crumb with like a tooth. And I'm like, you didn't try it. Didn't try it. It doesn't <laughs> count. No, it's the, it's just one bite. Yeah. So it's so that like they kind of have to have yeah. the whole thing. It's like <laughs> kind of impossible not to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, the, you know, they, they go around and there's different vendors and the different chefs will like explain what the bite is. Oftentimes they're things that like I've never even had before, but they're just, you know, it's fun. They make them look cool. Um, and you tell them, if you taste this, we're going to stamp your passport. And you have a surprise if you complete your passport. If you get mm -hmm. a full passport stamped, we got something special for you. Um, and so they try it. They try stuff. Um, they don't like everything. That's fine. But the important thing is that they try it. And they're excited to tell their parents that they tried it. And they're excited to show them their stamps and their full passports. Um, and so at the end of it, you know, we ask them to take the pledge if they liked what they did. Um, and then we give them a bunch of temporary tattoos, which, you know, everybody loves the El Dente love tattoos. Anything that's a temporary tattoo or a sticker yes, that's like stamp, very, stickers, very valuable. Yes, very valuable. They want to keep them. They're theirs. You know, Are these all in New York, these these events? We only had like a, a mini launch party for our third book in New York. Actually, all of the other ones have been elsewhere. Oh. Um, we launched our first book. We, we wanted to launch in, in food communities first, yeah. um, places where we knew that um, there was a strong food sensibility, a strong sense of community, um, and a network of restaurants and chefs that we wanted to partner with and that, you know, liked our idea and wanted families to come in and eat at their restaurants. Um, and so we started in Portland, Maine. And actually, like, a week before we launched in Portland, Maine, it was announced as Bon Appetit's like food city of the year. It was again, serendipitous, like you wouldn't believe. Um, and then we had this, uh, our first event there. Second one we did in Pittsburgh, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. um, and then we did a couple in DC um, and uh, one in Columbus in the North Market, which was like, I mean, I should, probably shouldn't pick a favorite, but it was my favorite. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why I mean, there's, I love I love food markets. Like, I love going to markets and just, like, walking around and tasting things. And I get really excited about it. <laughs> so I was, I was like, 
oh man, like if I had a kid, I would want them to be excited about going to markets, but I can see how it could be like difficult and overwhelming for a parent to be like, why would I take my kid to this place with like all the stimulation and like, I can see I how. Know. I think it depends. And maybe I wouldn't I think bring all four of mine, but like one at a right. time I could do. But I two. can, you know, I could see, I was like, maybe if we give people an opportunity to see how this could be really fun and like give them a little tool to make it fun, everybody will be excited about it, the, the parents and the kids. Um, that really lives at the heart of the brand here is that this is all about communication. It's all about bonding time. It's about making the most of every food experience you have, whether that's shopping, um, whether that's cooking at home, eating takeout at home, eating a regular meal at home, going out to a restaurant. We try and we're trying to make people see that there's a wealth of opportunity to interact with food and the food world in everything that you do in your daily lives. And you probably could, you know, I'm trying to think here and be creative because, you know, our, uh, of course, I, I'm dying when definitely I'm like, if you have one anywhere near me, I am going to drop absolutely everything oh and gosh, bring yeah. my and bring at least <laughs> Rafa there. But I would love to bring a couple of my kids. Um, You're all welcome. Thank you. Thank of you. Um, but I, you know, I'm trying to think about these different things that people could do at home. And is there a way that I mean, of course, you know, get the get the books, which are amazing. Thank um, you. Like I, I'm telling you guys, we sat and bringing kids to a restaurant is like not my favorite thing. We'll bring four kids to a restaurant is not my favorite thing. One or two is okay, but the four kids, it's it's pretty crazy, especially because the the younger two are so young. Um, but and they just want to like run around and scream and stuff like that, and then you get dirty looks from other people. Um, and I don't want to be that person who's just like putting an iPad out because I want them to be present for the food. So I we were we read those those books there and they were just like enchanted with oh. the books. They were they're <laughs> so well done. So very, very good books. So things that people can do at home. You can get the books and you can talk about things. But is there a way that you could create, you could bring, you know, these taste buds, this Kalamata's pledge into your own home and and maybe with different things that you're trying, like what are what are some tools that parents can use in their homes if they will not be able to make it to an event? Well, I mean, yeah, other than the stories and and I think like getting kids familiar with the idea behind Kalamata and what she stands for, um, you know, if in the third book, for example, I think it's one of the best uh, tools, I suppose, that a parents could have is, is that gen- there's the story of what Eric Repair did with his son, Adrian, when he was growing up, um, which was every uh, every weekend they would pick a new place. They'd have a map and they'd pick a new he'd let Adrian pick. Um, a country on the map. And he'd say, all right, where are we going today? And Adrian would say, all right, we're going to China or we're going to France or we're whatever. And he'd say, what do they eat in France, dad? Or what do they eat in China? And Chef Repair would say, they eat this and they eat tomatoes with basil and whatever. And basically they would talk through the idea for a dinner. Um, he would assign Adrian a task, um, you know, some sort of prep thing or making the menus. Um, and then he would cook and then they would talk about it. And so like, it was just uh, that's it's unreasonable to expect that people could do that kind of thing every single right. day. Um, but it's one element of, again, asking your children questions, um, getting them excited about the things that they're going to be consuming um, to make them more thoughtful about everything that they're consuming, because that comes down to not just the actual food that they're eating, but um, knowledge about other countries, about cultures, about about just stories of people that make everything more interesting to a kid. And I I feel like I grew up learning a lot about the world because of what my parents would tell me about what I was eating. 
And they didn't have Calamata's Kitchen. They right. they just kind of did that because that's how they grew up too. Um, and I think that t- like seizing the opportunity to tell stories is a really, really easy way that's fun for everybody um, to get kids interested in in eating and in learning about the world. Well, it makes it, makes it not just more interesting, but it gives them some context. I mean, everybody yeah. always loves saying, oh, okay, you know, be like Popeye, eat your spinach and, you know, make sure Great. that you do this to make you stronger and stuff like that. And yes, all of these things are good, but I think, you know, bringing in awareness of the world, bringing in, you know, awareness of, of, um, of that just it's different and can be fun because yeah. kids who are picky eaters, I think it's for a whole, you know, myriad of different reasons that they have, but like a lot of it is just fear, like, or this, yeah. or it's like, oh, this isn't fun. Like, no, I don't want to have dinner. I don't want to have dinner yeah. because they dread that. And to bring some light in it, to make it fun. I love your idea. I think I'm going to start doing that actually about the different places in the world. Um, because I mean, I'm, I'm pretty creative and I'll, I'll create different, different meals from that cook for my children almost every single night. Um, but I love that idea of being like, okay, today we're going to have a Chinese recipe. And then, you know, tomorrow we're going to go to Ethiopia and then we're going to go to India and they can try all of these different things because I really do feel like, you know, the palate is, is a muscle and it must be exercised. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so interesting because like a lot of times I think parents will try a couple things and then just assume like if they're not going to eat it, they just it's well, never going to happen. You're, you're tired. And that's, of course. You worked all day. You have so you go, much you other buy stuff this, to do. You buy this food that yeah. isn't cheap and then you cook it and then and your child like, is no. like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, that that's very it's a very understandable problem. Mm-hmm. It's a very understandable problem. Um, and, you know, I think that like remembering that at a certain time, like like you said, like kids might have a fear about trying something or whatever. But I think remembering that at every at, at one point, every single thing that a kid tried was new. Right. Um, and so treating everything as equally other is something that I like to say is, is I think, another valuable tool. It's like at one point, an apple was as foreign as an avocado. Mm-hmm. Um, oatmeal was as foreign as dal, which is something that Indian kids grow up eating all the time. And trying, I think from a parent, per parent perspective or an adult perspective, if you try and frame things as equally other, um, it's, it's another like way to just get kids to see things from a different angle maybe. Um, and I think that's part of it, right? It's like they have to, sometimes they build up their own mental roadblocks on things and you might just have to flip the script a little. Right. Um, I, I, again, I am not doing that from like my own experience. It's, that's something that like my absolutely brilliant, uh, partner does with his kid. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like when he's trying to get him to eat something different, he might call it something different, but it's not a trick. Right. It's just a different way of, of flipping the script. And I think that's also important. You don't want to trick your kids. I know that's, it's, that's the trick, but that's the tricky thing. So let me tell you about tricking because I was I was very much of that. I was like, I am going to be that kind of parent that's going to be like, here is a, st- is a stock of broccoli. And my child's going to be like, oh, thank you, mommy. And they're going to cut it up nicely and eat it just as is. Oh, I never did that. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't work. And then at the end of the day, you're like, all right, well, my kid needs to eat vegetables. And I'm, you know, no matter how many times I put the broccoli on the plate or put the peas or the, or the kale or whatever it is, my child is like, yeah, I'm not eating that. Right. And then the tears come and then you, you know, you create like the emotional trauma and you're like, okay, my child's going to be in therapy over and then the end and everything's ruined. <laughs> Not really. I kid, I kid um, a little bit. Um, and so basically I, I started making smoothies. Now, 
I'm not lying to them. There are, I, if they ask me, they see me make a smoothie. There's vegetables in it. But I'm not pointing it out. Right. I'm not, I'm like, okay, there's kale and spinach and um, and uh, broccoli in it. Usually sometimes we put avocado. We do all these different kinds of things. But then I mask it with a protein powder that's safe for kids. It's not like weird protein powder. It's like it has pea protein and stuff like that. That's what I call it. That is chocolatey. And sometimes I put honey in it and sometimes I'll put a banana in it and I'll put coconut water. Like I'll choose different, obviously not all together because that would be like a lot of sugar, but like I'll choose different things to sweeten it. So it would taste good. And then my kids will eat it. And then I know that they had vegetables. Exactly. But there is a little bit of tricky, of tricking in it. I think it's okay. That one's okay. That one's okay. That being said, I do see at the same time, like I want my kids to know that there are no monsters in the closet. Yeah. And I want them to know that eating green peas is not scary. And I really feel like, you know, the pediatrician said to me, you know, is is Raphael fearful of other things in his life? And he probably is my child that is the most nervous of new things. And he'll say in a cute way because we're so we're such an open family. He'll be like, Mommy, I'm scared. Is it gonna be scary? Is it gonna be this? We went to Universal two years ago when we we're in LA a different time. And he, I didn't it never Carmen was the kind of person that we brought her to Disney and she would hug Mickey Mouse and was like so excited to like grill all the princesses and be like, uh, you know, Cinderella, why are you wearing this dress and you should be wearing that dress? <laughs> uh where is Sleeping Beauty? They're like, uh she's sleeping. She's like, hmm Okay, I almost got you. So it's like she literally was such a different child. Whereas we're off a sees this guy, this minion, this giant minion character, and he just started shrieking. And he was like, this is so scary. And that that's just kind of been him. He's been always like a little bit of an observer. Now he's getting much more open and he, you know, he's the kind of kid that goes into the playground and like goes and makes a lot of friends and stuff like that. But it's definitely been on his own pace. Anyway, she asked me that we went we went to um, Universal this time around when I met you, and he was very nervous because he remembered even from two years ago he remembered, and um, he was so proud of himself that he overcame his fear. And so what the pediatrician was saying to me is that fear of food and fear of other things it's all linked. So a child who will tend to be a picky eater is often afraid of other things as well because it's sort of a, a fear of the of the unknown. Um, so, you know, during, dur- during you know, me, me taking care of him as his mom is making sure that he's getting all the right things. But at the same time, you know, taking, you know, pulling back the curtains and being like, it's actually not so scary. Um, so that's, I think, very important in terms of not tricking them. Like if you need to trick them to make sure that they're getting their, their basic nutrients, trick them. But the rest of the time be like, okay, that's just a base. But now I'm going to still put the effort to do the sort of taste buds, Kalamata kitchen kind of thing of like, hey, let's try new stuff because it's fun. It's fun. And, you know, I think that Kalamata and al dente could go a long way to assuaging some fears that a kid might have. You know, there's a there's a comforting hand to hold that's walking you through these adventures. And and Kalamata's ideas are really fun. And kids seem to be have their own ideas after that. I mean, one of our goals is just to create a a more curious, um, compassionate and courageous generation of eaters. Um, and through her adventures, I think that if they bond with the character, there's a really solid chance that they'll kind of internalize some of the those characteristics from her and and feel a little bit more courageous and inspired to take those adventures themselves. Well, interesting what you're what you're talking about with the characters is I'm I'm not going to 
and name the company, but I had a business meeting about a year or two ago um, with this company that does a lot of cartoons. Um, and they were talking about how influential these cartoons are now. I mean, they used to, when people, when people used to ask children like a long time ago. Um, they would ask children, who's the most influential person? They would say like my mom. And then they would say uh, like maybe the president or, you know, something like that. Then maybe like, you know, fourth on the list was the, he, he laughed. It was like the dad who's then, which I was like, oh God, <laughs> I think it depends on family to family. <laughs> but it was always like the mom first. And then, you know, and then it went on and on and on. And now, you know, if maybe mom is first, but it's also these different characters that people get into, whether it's Dora or it's Mickey Mouse or it's a princess or it's a, you know, Paw Patrol or any of these things. They, that is so influential. And like, you know, the, the president or, you know, I don't know, Jesus or any of these things that used to be on people's list a really long time ago aren't on it anymore. And so you really are, have touched on something that that's really important is how much children are connecting with story characters. And because their imagination is so amazing right now that they really make these story characters come alive. Yeah. I mean, the characters exist for kids to love them. Um, and at the end of the day, if they love them, as you said, they'll create their own. They have their such incredible imaginations right now. And they'll create their own adventures with it. Um, food is just the medium that that we've chosen to 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 go with on these adventures. To go with Kalmada on these adventures. And and the nice thing about that medium is that everybody has to eat. Yeah, and you have to do it multiple times a day. Exactly. Um, so you know. And that's that's the interesting thing. I mean, for you guys at home or wherever you are listening to this podcast, I want you to like think about. Are you somebody who has struggled with, because almost everybody has, do I know when I'm hungry? Do I know what I want to eat? Does that coincide with what I should be eating? And do I stop when I'm full? And do I feel good afterwards? You know, all these very simple things that we, most of us as adults will pretend to know. You might not, but when the doors are closed, what's actually going on when we're eating, when we're alone or when we're with people who are just extremely comfortable around and we can be vulnerable or they don't even care. They're not paying attention or whatever, whatever tricks you have. I mean, I remember when, when I was struggling a lot, like nobody knew I had a problem. I would go and close the door and, and then I would fall apart. And it is this thing that drives me almost every single day of I want my children to know these basic things. When am I hungry? What should I eat? And hopefully it should taste good because it should be pleasure. Food is pleasure. And when should I stop? And and really enjoying the experience, but putting it in the grand scheme of thing that I don't have to be obsessing about food all the time. And I think that it's something that very few of us actually figure out how to do. When I really, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to be a parent one day. I definitely didn't know I wanted to have as many kids as I've had. But I I would always say to myself, look, I need to fix this because I know I want to be a mom one day and I don't want to pass on my stuff to other people, like to my babies. I want to make sure that this stops with me. And then my children can have their own journey. Um, and I can, of course, have the wisdom and knowledge, you know, to along the way to help them. But I really want to make sure that that they I'm not putting my own shit on them. Yeah. And um, and and it really has has been incredible to to live in a way now where I can do those very simple things. They are so simple, but they're so difficult. 
So, um, so I mean, I think it's it's wonderful, you know, going going to a place of you know children being able to to be experimental and and realize that food is fun, but then also putting it in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's not so easy to be introspective and thoughtful when you're an adult. I think you have so many other things going. going we all on, have yeah. so many other things going on. It's very it's very easy to you know, you're you're extremely thoughtful about what you're trying to feed your children. It's very easy to forget to be thoughtful about what you're feeding yourself um, and to answer those questions truthfully and honestly to yourself. Um, and I think this is also a way to get uh, adults to think about their own their own issues, their own thoughts on food and feeding and, and eating and family time um, in a way that they can do with their children. I mean, and imagine if you start that process young, if you get kids to be more thoughtful about what they consume, um, they'll naturally make better decisions mm-hmm. as they get older. That's And that's what all of us want for the next generation. Um, whether you're a parent or not, it's, it's, it's the future is a lot brighter if kids are thoughtful about what they consume. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Tell me about your restaurant guide. Absolutely. Um, we have the Taste Bud Travel Guide um, on our website. Um, we're currently live in 15 cities with plans to go much bigger very soon. Um, basically, it's a curated list of places where you and your family can have food adventures. Um, and we've qualified that as like breweries, restaurants, um, all kinds of places where they will treat your kid like a VIP. Um, you'll have a really great meal. You can spend some quality time with your family. Um, and there's you know, they try and take the pressure off the what everybody knows that it's like a high pressure situation to dine out with your kids. And we've gone around and talked to places that are very, very welcoming to families, but also have really high quality food and beverage for the adults as well. Now, we ask here on Mom Brain what your favorite thing is. My favorite thing is actually I just I got it on the recommendation of my future sister-in-law um, who has a one year old baby. And he has the greatest sound machine that has ever existed. I'm convinced, and it's, the, it's for children. But I bought it for myself. Um, it's the Hatch Baby Rest, and it's like the it's outstanding. It's an outstanding sound machine. And I like I live in a little apartment in Astoria, and there's construction everywhere, and it starts really early, and there's all these street noises and all this stuff. And my fiance and I have very different schedules. I get home late. He gets up early. All this stuff. I got this thing and we don't hear each other. We don't disturb each other anymore. And I don't hear the construction. And it's like genius. So that's, <laughs> that's a my really, favorite thing. That's a really good <laughs> favorite thing. This is a fact. All right, guys, that was Sarah Thomas. Um, she's absolutely amazing. It's always incredible to me, these people who come in and she's not a mom, but she has such good sense um, because she's almost very connected to her own childhood, and I, she has a children in her life, um, but she's got a really good sense of of trying to bring adventure onto our children's plates. So I'm really excited to try um, some kind of bringing Kalamata's Kitchen themes into my home. We've already done some of it. We love the books. Uh, I highly recommend getting them. If you're interested in following Sarah, you can find her on Instagram at S-E-S-S underscore Thomas, or you can follow Kalamata's Kitchen at Kalamata's Kitchen. Um, I do. I, I started following them like immediately because I just was like, this woman has all the answers and I must know absolutely every single thing that you know. Um, you can also find them online, kalamataskitchen.com. And now it's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite things.
So my favorite thing today is something that has completely changed my life. I'm somebody who loves to cook a lot at home and I would cook with the silicone utensils and I thought like, okay, these are great. It's supposed to be BPA free, this, that free up to certain degree and stuff like that. Then I decided to get greener with my pans. So I found these pans called Green Pan. Now, green pan, the inside of the pan, it's nonstick, but it's made with very um, non-toxic, good materials, very easy to clean. They're absolutely incredible. You can find them on Amazon. Um, But what was interesting, this is where the utensil things come in, is that as I was cooking, I was noticing these like little black ribbons in my food. And I was like, that's so interesting. I didn't cook that very well. This is not crispy. It's not, I haven't burnt anything. And what I realized was, that the spatulas, that even though they're from really great brands and even though they are supposed to be super safe and up to a heat that I am not using, little flecks of them were flaking off into my food and into the food of the kids. Now, oftentimes you'll hear that we eat like a credit card size of plastic every single week. And, you know, this has to do with plastic water bottles and stuff like that. But it is coming from other things. And I had I not gotten these green pan that are white and you can really see what's going on as you're cooking, I would have never known that the spatulas actually do melt and leak tiny little bits into my food. So I made the change to cooking with wood. Um, I think it's really smart. I, I have a lot of different kinds of bamboo and olive wood uh, spatulas and spoons and stuff like that. And it was hard because those silicone spatulas are amazing for flipping things and creating beautiful plates of food and stuff like that. But it's not worth it if you are ingesting plastic and you are having your children ingest plastic. Um, so green pan taught me a lot. I also feel really great cooking in them because I know that nothing is leaching into the food. Um, And we really have to be very thoughtful about what our kids eat on in terms of their plates, what we're cooking in, what we're cooking with. Um, So I highly recommend this. Okay. So my favorite thing today is called the kitchen helper, or maybe it's just kitchen helper. Um, If you have seen these floating around Instagram, I'm sure you have because it's how I discovered them. Um, It is a like basically an enclosed stool for your kids to stand on and be pushed up next to the counter and be sort of at adult height so they can not just see what you're cooking, but potentially give you a hand if they're old enough. It is so cool because you don't have to, I mean, I would literally be standing there holding one or two children who would try to climb on the same chair at the same time from falling off and also trying to, you know, stir the pot or chop things with the other hand. And I was always nervous about them falling off or tripping or, or you know, or trying to get up or down. And this is great because you kind of just enclose them in and it keeps them at, um, and it's a really stable surface. So it keeps them from toppling over too. But I just, look, I, I grew up cooking with my mom and my grandma in the kitchen. Admittedly, I did not have a kitchen helper when I was doing that. Um, and and I, it was how I initiated my love of food and my love of cooking and how we shared recipes and family traditions and and all of the memories that I have of those times with my, um, you know, with my family are so important to me. I really want those for my kids as well. So I do try to get them in the kitchen with me as much as possible. I also find it's the time they're most receptive to learning about healthy food and to trying new things. And there's something really fun about, you know, dipping your bread in tomato sauce that's on the stove or seeing how vegetables change color when they're being cooked or um, or just experiencing different smells. And the closer you can bring the that experience home for kids, the better, um, especially as you work to, 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 
uh, raise and cultivate adventurous, happy eaters. So anyway, that is my favorite thing for this week. And I think... um, I think you guys are going to love it. All right, guys, that's all for today. Don't forget to find us on Instagram. Make sure that you share, rate, review. Uh, Tell your friends about us. Please, please, please. We love how many people are joining our Mom Brain community. If you want to watch us on YouTube, we're on YouTube. And until next time, I hope some of this was helpful. Go try it out and let us know. Email us, mombrainpod at gmail.com. Bye. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.